Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome back to Habs Unfiltered, episode 393. I'm your host, Blaine Pugvay, and I'm joined by my co-host, Treg Wilson. We come to you live and in person from Snowmageddon, Nova Scotia. <laughs> As going we record, back to our, it's uh, snowing. Going back to our comp, Gornak, Gorniak. Oh. Jack Gorniak. Well, there we go. There. We'll so, leave people um, in, we'll leave people in suspense with that. They're like, Gorniak, what's going on? We what just shoot know? the breeze about random shit. That's all it is. <laughs> uh so it's uh Sunday night, uh eight PM as we record. And uh Nova Scotia is now bracing for more snow. Uh I feel bad for friends up in Cape Breton because they're really suffering through basically worse than White Wan. Yeah, so we're getting I think they say when it's all said and done tomorrow morning at around five or six, we're getting 60 centimeters here in the Halifax, our area and Cape Breton is going to be 80 and above, I guess on the Western side of Cape Eastern side of Cape Breton. Yeah. But still that's bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so good luck to them. Uh, it took me, uh, I've been shoveling all, uh, all day for the last two days. That's my workout. I saw you found a gym. The most ghettoist gym ever. But anyway, it was fit a gym. for less. Fit for less. It was terrible. So uh, on to hockey. So this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the Monaghan trade and some of the trickle-down effect that it's caused. So why don't we just get started, first of all, with um, the asset management Shown well, you know what? We'll skip to we'll just do the trade first. Monahan traded to Winnipeg for a first and a conditional third if the Jets win a Stanley Cup. So essentially, so a first, a first, a first. Uh, so two firsts that he got for Monahan. Uh, personally, I think that's a good trade for both sides. Well, I know we talked on the show that we thought he could get a first plus. Um, I still believe they could have, but. I understand the first. I'm not really upset that it was just a first. Like, uh, um, you essentially got two firsts for one player. And really, if you, I mean, you, you brought it up at the beginning. When it comes to asset management, if you can get two firsts for one player, a first for getting the player, and then a first for getting rid of the player, uh, you've done something correct. Especially when that guy was injured almost one whole year, the year you thought you were going to get your first, and you still got the first for him the next year. So, uh, but uh, I watched the presser with uh, with uh, Hughes from his home, his kitchen, I think he was in. And uh, he basically <laughs> said, I think it was Arpin asked him, why not wait to the trade deadline? Closer to the trade deadline, it might be worth more. I, I'm not sure if it was Arpin or Stu Cow, one or the other. And uh, he basically said, hey, you know, we learned from last year that with the injuries to Edmondson and 
all these guys that, you know, kind of we weren't able to trade him, gives the injured most of the year, all this stuff, and not saying that Monaghan has an injury, but they didn't want to wait and risk the, you know, risk. Because, I mean, there's still four weeks left until the yeah. trade deadline. He didn't want to risk anything, and he had a – he. I said uh, – I took that as we just really wanted the first anyway, so we got what we wanted – and we weren't too worried about the plus plus because maybe no one was offering a very high prospect. Maybe no one was, you know, maybe first was the highest offer they were getting and maybe with a bidding war coming down. And then he also said something about the market. Like we don't know who else is going to put another center up for grabs or another, you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden yeah. our center loses value. So he did talk um, about how the the market was shifting and yeah. he was expecting a major shift in the market. So why not take you, you set up you set a value for the player in a trade? Someone yeah. offers it to you, take it. So why yeah, not? And that's, yeah, and that's what he did. So I, I'm happy with it. Uh, I can see the argument for waiting and possibly getting more. I get it. Uh, but I, I, you know what? I would rather trade him now and risk him not getting injured. I think the trade deadline should be around this time of year anyway, and not pushed. To, I think it should be earlier in the season anyway. But uh, uh, that's just me. Uh, maybe not this early, but maybe in a week or two. Um, and they got what they wanted. So now they have that first that they could do whatever the hell they want with. Now they yeah, have four and... first-round picks in the next two drafts. Exactly. He, he's gotten – so he Hughes is known for being a guy who sets a price for a player and holds on until that, until he gets it. And – you we talked about risk, like you talk about last trade deadline. Jesus, they had nobody, nobody they could trade. Well, we talked. We talked about last year. We talked about Edmondson. We talked about Monahan. We talked about uh, who else was available. Um, there was a possibility they could have got three firsts in last year's trade deadline, and they got zero because they couldn't retrade anyone. So because they were all hurt. So, you know, and this year he got what he wanted from Monaghan. I think the key to what he said, too, was about retention. He was asked about retention. And, you know, maybe he could have got more if he retained on Monaghan. And he basically said, I didn't want to do that because I wanted that retention slot available for somebody else if I needed to move. Someone a little bit uh, more expensive. He never – he never really came out and said it, but I'm assuming no. someone a little bit more expensive, a little bit harder to move um, if I need to use that. And uh, yeah, like say an uh, Allen or a, a Savard. Allen or Savard. Now, he did mention, uh, you brought it up in your article that uh, I think it was Lavois mentioned that he said that Allen wasn't really on the table, that he wasn't, uh, had no plans to move Savard, not Allen, sorry, Savard. And, uh, I mean, we've heard that before, but I mean, just be, you know, if someone comes in and yeah. says, I'm going to give you a first in this prospect for that defenseman, you're going to go, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> I'm yep. not going to turn that uh, You down. want me to take half the salary? Done. Yeah. And, and that's what I think. I, personally, my first thought was Jake Allen. So, uh, yeah. uh, although I've been a big advocate saying he's not going to take another multi-year retention because it's going to hold him over a barrel for next year. But then when I look at it, uh, you still got one left for next year. So, and with all the people they have coming off the board next year that are become UFAs next year, then 
you know, I think they'll be okay. And at the end of next season is when things are really going to start brewing for his plan anyway. So, you know, this year and next year retaining for the rest of this season and all of next season shouldn't be a big problem for one or two players. Um, No, no. I mean, the end of next season, you have Armia coming off the books, Jake Evans, Pizzetta, Condotta, Jordan, or uh, sorry, David Savard, uh, Kovacevic, Jake Allen, Dvorak. Oh, no, Dvorak's 25-26. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's next year. Uh, Yeah, so, yeah, they have a lot. They have a lot of guys coming off the books. They do, yeah. And it's going to clear up a lot of cap space so they can make some moves. They could... They could sign guys. They can uh, extend guys. You know, it's basically cleaning up the last little bit of the Bergevin era contracts, with the exception of one or two. Well, yeah, the only Gallagher, Gallagher, and Anderson. Gallagher and Anderson are still there, twenty-seven, twenty-eight. But other than that, that's it. That's it. That's the only. Well, Carey Price. Oh, next season. Will be carry twenty five twenty six. We carry prices last season under contract. Yeah, so, so that's that's a, another uh, ten million. That uh, I I know people think that LTIR gives you the license to spend more, but it does hamper things a bit for them too. Yeah. It's not easy to to manage. So getting rid of that altogether, that that saves him a little bit of heartache and headache. You got to be easier. under the cap with that 10 million before you can use that 10 million. So people don't seem to understand that. You still have to be under the cap. You can't just go, well, I have $85,000 cap plus 10, $85 million in cap plus 10 million. No, you don't. You have 85 million in cap. Yeah. But this, so there's, a, a, there's a lot of, yeah. there's a lot of shift uh, shifting there, but uh, yeah. So that that makes things a little easier down the lo- the line, but for right now, uh, things are a little bit harder, um, because of all the money. But it, it, it's the on ice stuff too. Wow. So we have no centers. Nick Suzuki's going to play sixty minutes a game and play on every line. Um, oh, Jake Evans is there. Okay, sorry, he's going to play. Three lines. 52, 52 minutes and play on three lines. Um, well, they made their moves. Like they, uh, the yeah. you knew either Condotta, Stevens, or Anderson were going to get a call up. I personally thought it was going to be Stevenson, but it was Condotta uh, or Stevens, not Stevenson, but uh, um, which I like better because I thought I liked Condotta in the in the one or two games that he played. Uh, but then they also went out and uh, signed to an NHL contact, Brendan Gignac. And uh, he was leading a Laval. He's a point-per-game player in Laval. He's yeah. leading them in scoring. And now he's going to get his chance to uh, see what he can do in the NHL. He does have an NHL game under his belt with the New Jersey Devils, the team that drafted him in 2016. He's about to double his NHL games so, played. Yeah, he's going to do that. So there won't, shouldn't be any solo skate uh, at the first of the of the game because he's technically not a rookie in his first game. But uh, um, uh, you never know. They might do that. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how well he does. Uh, I would assume he's going to be their third-line center. Um, I think he's going to have to be. Uh, he's, yeah. 
he was signed to this deal to fill a, a center spot, uh, but yeah. he has earned a call up by the way he has played. Um, not that he's going to be a world beater or he's going to do anything to really keep the Canadians from sliding down the, the standings, but he's going to get an NHL chance. He plays with speed. He's uh he's a monster on the forecheck. He just nonstop attack, attack. So they've got that at least with him. So that's more of a third line kind of role. And then you got Condotta on the fourth line, Evans on the second. I mean, you look at that, that center depth without Monaghan and it is painful. Well, I mean, it wouldn't be if you had Doc and Dvorak not injured uh, because. uh, So, I mean, but you knew Monaghan was getting traded regardless. So, uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure Ken Hughes was like, well, this is, I'm going to have to trade him. This we're going to have to, uh, I read online some people saying, oh, well, they're just telling the team that they threw in the towel, they gave up. Uh, but I'm pretty sure the team understood that Monaghan was on a show-me contract and that if they could trade him to a contender, they will. Uh, I don't think that was a huge secret. Um, you can't help it if two of your you know, top nine centers got injured before, you know, for the season. Um, so, yeah. So basically, uh, all they can really do now is hope. Gignac. Yeah. Hey, Gignac could be the next RHP from last year where he comes out like a fireball and does whatever. I doubt it, but I'm just saying, you never know what he's going to do. You never, he earned the call up. He earned the contract. Uh, let's go out and see what he can do. He's not going to be a difference maker. He's not going to. No, uh, no this is going to. This lineup is going to slide down the standings. The, right yeah. now they sit, uh, I think they're, they're drafting seventh or eighth. Yeah, so by the end of the year, it's going to be closer to top five, if not yeah. top five. Um, I mean, Alex Newhook is going to be back fairly soon, not right away after the, uh, but they believe. No, soon. maybe another week because he is yeah. skating without, uh, he is skating now. It's full contact. He's able to practice with the team the whole nine yeah. yards, but that's going to take a, a little bit of time for him to get back up so. to game shape. So he'll probably pop in and be, I mean, they did not, uh, even with the call-up, even with Gignac and, uh, although I don't know if Gignac is officially to the roster because Cap Friendly yeah, showed the is. roster at 22, 22 of 23 with Gignac's contract still pending registration. So well, Gignac uh, signing the deal means he's in the NHL. They have to put him yeah. on waivers to send him. No, back. I get that. I'm just saying what, the way Cap Friendly showing it is maybe the NHL yeah. just didn't approve the, didn't, didn't go through the NHL quite yet to make it official. That's all I'm saying. Um, he will be. Yeah, in it says registration class. pending. Pending, yeah. So I, I think that's just an NHL head office thing. And... The snowstorm in the uh, Northeast is causing yeah, some slowdowns. Yeah. Um, Windsor is really the true NHL headquarters. Nobody knows that. You just heard that from us. That's right. Uh, yeah. So... <clears throat> I don't think the uh, the lineup is going to be uh, looking all that great to start off because no. n- not only is the center depth damaged, now the special teams are also damaged. Who's going to replace him on the power play? St. Louis doesn't know yet, but I-, I feel like Slavkovsky could be a good fit in that bumper spot. 
He could be, but I think the question is, is who's going to be the other player? It's probably going to be Anderson, to everyone's dismay. But uh, more than likely, who else are you going to put there? I mean, I would say when New Hope comes back, he'll probably go in there. And I agree. I think yeah. Scott could be perfect for that bumper position where Monahan was, because um, he has a great pass. My next question is, is Sulkowski going to get moved back to the first line or is he going to stay on the second line to play with Evans and Armia? And That's a tough does, call. And if he doesn't get moved to that first line, is this going to hurt his momentum that he had going into the All-Star break? Because even when he got moved to the second line, that second line all of a sudden became a pretty good dog goddamn line. Uh, with Armia, Slavkovsky, and Monaghan on it. And I'm not going to say that was all Slavkovsky, but it wasn't as good with whoever else they had on their wings. So, um, no, no, I, it, they're a one line team now without Monaghan, without Doc, without uh, Dvorak, um, without <coughs> Newhook. They're a one line team. Newhook comes back. Um, they're still a one. They're still. They're still a one-line team. They're, it's the center depth that's the cause of the issues here. So, yeah, it, the rest of the season going to suck. People are going to get pissed off and cry and bitch and moan. Oh, my God, we suck again. Well, yeah, you're still rebuilding. This is what happens when, when you got some injuries on top of uh, a lack of depth. And not just that. I mean, there was a lot of people, I mean – especially on Facebook, but Facebook's the worst for social media when it comes to Ooh. stuff. Uh, they want a Monaghan sign. You can't get rid of Monaghan. He's blah, 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 blah. But there was no way they were signing Monaghan, re-signing Monaghan. Uh, Hugh said himself, the future wasn't clear enough to, to for them to offer him a contract. And I think that was saying both ways. Like, we can't tell him we're going to be contender at this point. And we don't know where we're going to start turning the corner. So signing him now, he may not even be part of the team by the time we're ready to move forward. And well, I mean, in French, in French, he said that uh, he couldn't offer him the contract that he wanted. So that who that Monaghan yeah. couldn't offer him the money or the term. So it's better to just trade him anyway. Yeah. And, and I think that's, you know, like Monaghan's like, hey, I, I'm pretty sure Monahan's looking for a four and a half above for three to four. He's looking for probably his big final contract, multi-year. It won't be the six million he was getting, but you know, four and a half to five and a half probably. And uh, Montreal's like, no, we're not doing that. Not at your age and where our team is right no. now. Like, I think it was more of uh, not what he wanted. And basically, they're. I mean, they probably said we'll sign you for another one-year contract. Right, he didn't want that, but but he didn't want that. So, and so, I don't blame him. Yeah, and, and there's nothing saying he can't come back in the summer, but more than likely for the mm. same reasons they didn't sign him now, mm. they won't sign him then. But unless he this, comes back to him and says, "Listen, I really want to play for you guys," oh, you know, what can I sign yeah. for? And I I don't see that happen. No, I don't see him going going that route. Whoever yeah. like with Winnipeg now, if he does well there, I can see him signing that three-year deal at whatever he wanted so it, he's yeah, a good fit yeah, there it's possible he is he's a good fit there i mean they don't really have a i don't, I don't really think they have a second line center right now like a, not really but now with him there they have a legitimate second line center yeah 
Um, but what I'll be honest, points... I, I'll go ahead. Go what? ahead. Finish your thought and I'll, 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 well, I'll say more. Well, what this points out to me is that Hughes is getting a reputation around the league as someone who treats players right because he's he's doing right by the player and sticking to his his word. Like uh, it's not a you want loyalty by a dog era anymore. It's I'm going to tell you what I want to do. You tell me what you want to do. If it jives, we'll do it. If not, hey, look, this is what I want to do. This is what we're going to do. Well, he did it with Jeff Petrie twice. Yeah, uh, twice. He did it with uh, with now with uh, Monahan. Uh, that's pretty much it, I would say. But both of those players, he said he would do his best to get him to a – like Petrie went out of Montreal because he didn't like the way the – COVID stuff was going on in Quebec. Yeah, his family was back happy there. To a state, he won at Detroit, but he got him to, uh, I believe, Pittsburgh is who he traded him to yeah. for Matheson. Uh, and then he brought him back to Montreal to get him to Detroit. So, uh, um, you know, he, he he stays by his word to the player, but I don't think he says, I'll do put you to where you want. I think he says, I'll do my best to get you where you want to be uh but i'm not going to guarantee it's going to be you know the greatest but you know we'll in, get you in that, close to what you want in that in that petrie second petrie trade he could have probably traded petrie as a standalone to somebody else altogether and probably gotten better than what he did instead of you know eating half his cap and taking on uh, a guy he ends up losing on waivers he might have been yeah. able to get something more but by taking less and taking a hit he stuck by his word and players see this, the, the world, it's a small world up there uh, among the players in the NHL and word travels fast. Everybody's yeah. looking around at this and they're saying, okay, well, this is a management team that treats us right when we're there. They, they, they treat us like adults and they include us in the, dis- the decision-making. So that's a place I want to go to. And now Montreal is going to become more of a destination in time because of this and it'll be in a time frame that fits their rebuild as well well definitely like now you know we always argued free agents don't want to come to montreal because of this 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 and this and it's like you said uh you know the loyalty thing is up but i i just to go back to the bergevin thing ken hughes got more first round picks for one player than bergevin did in 10 years um that's true because uh, Bergevin never traded for or gave away. The only first-round pick he traded, got, he didn't even trade for it. He got it in the Cockney uh, Emmy science. So it wasn't even a trade. Yeah. It was just he automatically got it because he didn't match a contract, and then he immediately traded that away for Christian Dvorak. So, I yeah. mean, and so far since Ken Hughes has been there for two and a half years, he's gotten three first-round picks. So in 10 years, Bergevin got one only because it was given to him, not because he went out and got it. And then Ken Hughes went out and got three first in two and a half years. And I don't know. I just find that humorous. Um, well, in, in it, comparing the two again uh, in their styles of management, uh, Ber- uh, Hughes is very calculated. He, You can tell he has a plan laid out and he's sticking to it. Whereas with Bergevin, you you knew he had a plan, but that plan would change based on whatever happened right then at that moment. 
Ken Hughes is, and this is why you can honestly say the rebuild started with Hughes, because Bergevin was still yeah. in. Uh, we have this piece and this piece. I just need to throw a couple of extra pieces in here, and yeah. we're good to go. Uh, whereas Ken Hughes is like, okay, well, I got these players, and I'm trying to get as many young prospects and young players that I can get because this team is going to be ready in, say, five years from when he took over. We're, we're near two, right? And I think if they're looking at uh, maybe 26, 27, 27, 28 as the, okay, we got to start playing for the playoffs now. Personally, like, I'm actually, there's Matt Bedard, Scotian Canadian, had this big thread going on there that he thinks they're one or two players away from being a playoff team next year. A healthy mm-hmm. team, and if Hudson hits his ceiling, uh, as soon as he comes in, if they draft a great player and they come over right away and they get confused in the lineup right away yeah. and become the player, they yes, he's not wrong. But if you sit back and go, okay, let's stick reality into this and let's stick, let's not put our expectations way up here, but not way down here either. Um, we're probably two to three years away from saying this team should be pushing for the playoffs. Well, it, it, by by what he is saying, yes, they could push for a playoff spot. If, 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 <laughs> if, if, there's a lot of exactly. what ifs in there. Yeah. And do you want to build a team on what ifs or do you want to build a team which takes a little bit more time to become, yes, this is a playoff team, guaranteed, no holds barred. Uh, right. and- that's what he's aiming for. And then he's going to have to build on uh, build up on that so that yeah. they can actually win some playoff series. I, because, I, I, mean- I love Matt, but pushing for the playoffs right now and giving up assets just so you can try for a playoff spot, I think I think you're reaching too small you got to try and reach a little higher you want a cup contender not just a guy a team that might make the playoffs now i don't think matt was suggesting next year they trade off assets to no 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 i think what he was saying was with this team makeup and really if this team stayed healthy i think they're battling for like 13 14 15 spot to draft anyway with a healthy team um Maybe after the trade deadline, they might drop a little bit to like 11 or 12 or something similar like that. I mean, this year's been a weird year because at 80 points last year, they would have been out of the top 10, I think, if I if I go back and look yeah, at the standings. Been, yeah. But yeah. this year, they're not going to be anywhere near. Out of, even if they fit, still finish with the 80 points that we said they probably finish with, they're not going to be anywhere near out of the top 10. I don't think they're ever going to come out of the top 10 like, unless they go on a huge winning streak. Uh, it's been a really weird year. Like, they're six points from drafted fifth, and they're nine points from making a playoff. So, it's, yeah. a we- it, it's very and tight that, because of the parody. Yeah, and you can – now that Monaghan's gone and we're going with yeah. Evans as our second-line center, you can forget about the nine – catching up the nine points. Now you have to see, is this team still going to be good enough to maintain that seventh spot? Or are we going to see three, four losses in a row before a win? And then, you know, because they haven't won, I don't think, three games in a row this season. Um, but they haven't really – They, I don't think they've lost much more than three games in a row this season either. No, so, no they haven't. Uh, so it, it's been that type of year for them. And that's – I mean, I still think they're going to finish with around 80 points, but I wouldn't be shocked if it's a little under. 
uh, now. So that... basically what we're looking at is a team that uh, has improved over last season, individual players who have improved, improved over, over last, last season. season. Then you sell, you get more assets, futures. Granted, they're they're just lottery tickets, these uh, first-round picks, especially yeah. late ones. But he's got them. And they're going to they're going to drop down in the standings to get a much higher draft pick with their own pick. So you have a top 10 pick, you have assets to trade for whatever it is you want to get. You have players improving while the team is lower in the standings and it doesn't look like it. This is a step ahead from last season. This is exactly how we actually plan the season out at the beginning of the season. Yeah, it is. Uh, by saying, yes, we want them to finish in a good draft position, but it's still going to be a successful season as long as player A, B, C, and D improve. Uh, the team overall improves. Um, you know, we pretty – I mean, I'm not trying to toot the halves unfiltered guys' own horns, but we pretty much said this at the beginning of the season. Um <laughs> We said they were going to, we think, for this to be a successful year, they don't have to win or make the playoffs or do whatever. Individually, players had to be better, and that's exactly what's happened. Um, the team had to get more points, which is exactly what's going to happen. Um, we've just been fortunate that the parity in the league has forced us so that we could play 500 and still draft in the top 10. Uh <laughs> Right. Uh, and that is and, the weird part of this season for sure. And another weird part of the season is the injuries because yeah, if you look at the injuries last year, if everyone stayed healthy, I don't think you were drafting top five. No. Um, and this year, if everyone stays healthy, I don't think you're drafting top 10. So, I mean, the injuries are kind of a blessing and not a blessing, I guess, depending on how you want to look at the season. Um, True. I think if they would have drafted uh, someone last year like uh, Leonard or uh, who else was available, uh, that guy there in uh, Buffalo um, that went Ford. 12. What's the Ford? That's what I'm talking Yeah, uh, Leonard or uh, – Wood? It doesn't matter. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, in last year's draft, one of the Fords that, you know, Mitchkoff or whoever, it didn't matter who they would have drafted – I don't think people would have cared. They wouldn't be looking at, uh, we're going to run out of time. <laughs> yeah. So why don't we just, uh, we'll yeah. end it here. We'll do some commercials and we'll come back with uh, more from the wonderful world of Trek. <laughs> and welcome back to uh, Habs Unfiltered, AKA the wonderful world of Treg Wilson. So we were talking about before the break, uh, we're talking about where the Canadians had drafted last year. What would have happened had they drafted a forward? Where yeah, all I'm saying is, that, you know, you have this this separation of fans who were very upset they didn't draft a forward, some a certain forward, because there's a group of fans who think if we don't get this guy or this guy, everything's gone to shit, which I'm yeah. not a big fan of um, because you don't know how that person's going to do either. Um, I mean, the odds are if you get, anyway. Uh, So I think if they would have drafted, say this forward in last year's group, I don't think there would be such a, a need for these fans to want the haves to draft so low this year. Um, 
You know what I mean? Because this year is going to be a highly defensive first round. Uh, I think there's three suspected to go in the top five. But amongst those defensemen are very, very, very good forwards like uh, uh, Sarabini and Demidov and Lindstrom and uh, yeah. Iginla and and Catton and all these guys. Um, <clears throat> so I think I think now that these guys are available, but they may not be available at seven, eight, nine, or ten. This is where people are like, oh, they got to finish in the bottom five because we need one of these guys to be drafted. Now, I'll go on record now saying I want them to draft either Demidov or Lindstrom. Um, and, I mean, if they go with a defenseman, then I don't know. Then I have no idea what they're doing in the draft. So, uh... yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think they're going to go for a defenseman, though. I mean, when you have Cole Iserman, uh, you have uh, Lindstrom, you have... Demidov, I like, Demidov. and that's what you're looking for. I think you're looking Demidov's for be, I think he's going to be better than Mitchkov in the NHL, but that's just me. Um, yeah, I'll get it. I'll get attacked on Facebook in three, two, one. Um, or not Facebook, at Twit X in three, two, everywhere, one. Uh, yeah. everywhere. Uh, but I think he's an all around better player. Um, and he's a better skater, and he's a bigger player, and he plays better defense and he's just an all-around better player in my mind now yeah and Mitchkov relies on people to set the table for him whereas Demidov he controls the game himself he can set the pace slow it down speed it up Um, so yeah I I can see him being the better player as a younger player he made a better team he had more time Uh, he he just seems to have a little bit more uh, drive I don't know if that's the right word but um he he's willing to work on his deficiencies more. He's not, it's not all about scoring a goal for him. I agree. I mean, I don't think Mitchkov's as greedy as people think he is. I just think no. Mitchkov's, I think he's just that type of player that this is what I am. And this is what you're going to get. He's uh, a much more talented um, uh, Hoffman. Yeah. Yeah, like, and I think Mitchkov will have a a nice career in the NHL. I just don't think he's the generational talent that people have been throwing around there. No, no, and and that's where I think like people think I hate him and blah blah. blah. I didn't want him drafted by Montreal. I wanted, uh, and I'm on record saying I wanted Leonard. Um, yeah. I didn't want, and I didn't want Reinbacher either. So anyone who says I don't like Mitchkov because oh I'm happy with Reinbacher, I didn't want Reinbacher. But now that he's drafted. There's no point in me pouting about it. Now I just have to go. Okay, well I hope this guy can be what we hope he can be. End of conversation. Because guess what? I cannot change the draft pick. Me as a fan cannot sit there and go, oh, we got Reinbacher. Well, I better do my best to art to bitch about it online so they get rid of that guy. It's not going to happen. So I call I'm it the Zadina sit- effect. <laughs> so I'm just going to sit there and go, okay, we got Reinbacher. It's not who I wanted, but let's see who this Reinbacher guy is, which I already kind of knew because I've seen him at the World Junior Championships. I've talked yeah. to him, blah, blah, blah. I was like, you know what? He's not a bad pick. He is the best defenseman in that draft. He is probably going to be the best defenseman for the next two drafts, even though the next draft's a heavy defensive draft. It was not a bad pick. Not the pick I wanted, but not a bad pick. So it's not me as what 
quote unquote sucking Hughes's dick. It's uh, it's just me being realistic and knowing I can't change anything. <laughs> yeah, like I said, it's the the Zadina effect. the The draft is the team is ruined to me if they draft a guy that I don't want. And yeah. the same people who are crying out loud about uh, Mitchkov not being picked um, are the same ones that say, don't draft for need, draft best player available. Now, yeah. that's where the argument lies. Is Mitchkov the better player than Reinbacher? And that time will tell. In a couple of years, we'll know. But more than I- likely... How do you care? I do not care, but how do you pick, compare them? Like Mitch Scott is a offensive only forward. Like he's, he, yeah. and Ryan Bacher's a two-way defenseman. Like you, what metrics are going to use to compare them? They're two totally different styles, two totally different positions, two totally different players. Like you can't, I don't know. Well, do you compare I, by saying, I don't know. I don't, I don't, understand maybe analytical people help me on this one because how do you compare a defenseman how do you compare a two-way defenseman to a highly offensive forward and say which one for me the comparison would be impact to the game how does that player impact the game how do they impact the game the team's game plan do they fit do they not so and uh, i would agree with yeah Would Mitchkov fit with Montreal? No, because he's going to be a under six foot forward who's going to be playing on the top six with four other under six foot forwards. It would have been our Perijogan. We would have had the Smurf line back again with Suzuki, Caulfield, and or with Bure, Petrov, and uh, Saku Koivu. Would have been the fucking same goddamn thing. Like, don't get me wrong, Mitchkov has all kinds of talent. And I just, my issue with it, if he was a better skater, I think I would think more highly of him. That That's that's all. So the, it, moving away from the same yeah. old argument. Let's get away. Let's get away argument. from this thing. Um, the, the asset management by Hughes. I mean, we touched on it a little bit in the first half. Um, this, like, it all shows that he his plan is... He's got a plan in place. He's sticking to it. He's got prices. He stays to those. Um, and you can tell that he, you kind of you kind of know what he's doing. Like when he talks to the press after he does something like trade Monaghan, you 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 understand what he's doing. He explains it all to you. He doesn't provide you the exact details, but he tells you pretty much everything a GM could publicly. I'm pretty sure that Hughes wants to use the extra first round draft pick or the extra two first round draft picks he has for the next two years. uh, Some of his young defensemen that he has in his system to go out and get a star player through a trade. I honestly think he wants to do that. I honestly think he thinks he has the assets that he can go out and get I don't even know who I, I couldn't even name who right now, but he can go out and get the assets and say, I have this, 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 and this. I want him. Right. And he goes yep. off and does it. And I, I think it's going to be an RFA type player that he's going to go after a young RFA that maybe a team is like, we want to sign him, but we don't want to sign him to this big contract. And he's going to go out and say, 
I'll sign him with that contract, but I have all this. You know, what you, you look I, at, I, you look around that's my league, opinion. And I agree. I agree. That's that's where I think he's going. Yeah. And you look around the league and you see teams uh that have multiple young players that they have to make decisions on. Do I keep this guy? Do I pay him? Do I trade this guy to get something? And that's where he's going to just swoop in with his cap space and his bucket load of futures assets. Yeah, and he, he's going to sit there and say, you guys are on the other side of winning a cup. You guys are are turning this way. I know you have that star young player, but he's not going to want to be there when you're ready to contend. I'll take him because I'm close to, you know, he's going to be my key to getting where I want to go. And this first round pick, this first round pick, and this top four defenseman, he's going to be your key to pushing your your comeback faster. And that's kind I of think, why I that. Think that's uh, what, yeah, and that's why there's yeah. that talk of Trevor Zegers. That's why it just sound it, yeah. fans see that they hear that rumor, and it just it makes sense because of that reason. Mm-hmm. He's a his age, his skill set. You know, he's flashy. He may not be a point-per-game player, but, you know, he, he gets fans out of their seats, and that's what Montrealers love. And then you also got to look at this draft, uh, and I'm not saying this could happen, but say Montreal's draft in fifth. Let's say they draft fifth. Whether they win it by lotto or that's where they finish and that's where the lotto finishes. And say Winnipeg gets put out in the first round. So now they have a 20 to 21 whatever they're there, 20 or 21 or wherever the hell they stand. Um, so now he's looking at it and goes, he knows the team who's drafting first really wants a defenseman. Hey, I'll give you five and 21 for, for the first overall pick. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but in this year's yeah. draft, if this yeah. year's draft that's not out of the question. It's not like last year where Bedard was not being moved for 47 first round picks. Um, this one. So I'm not saying celebrating is not going to be, he's going to be a, a star player in the NHL, but he's not generational. He's not. Nothing tells me he's going to be Bedard type. Yeah, does that make no, any sense? No. Um, he, he's but, he's going to be a first line player, but, but he's going to be a first line player. He's yeah. probably going to be a point per game player. He's probably going to be everything you want. I just don't know if he's going to be like a dry sidle or McDavid or Kucherov or anything like that. So, Which makes it plausible that someone would be willing to trade it. So if you're <clears throat> I'm trying to think who could be down there that would want a defenseman, but if you're one of the teams and you win first and you're like, oh shit, we really want a defenseman and we're going to look really stupid if we draft a defenseman. In this draft, first with Serbini there, you know what, Hughes? Hey, why don't you draft fifth and twenty first, and we'll take we'll take the first pick. I I'd be shocked if that happened, but it's not out of the realm of question. No, no, it wouldn't. Um, so it could happen. I mean, Montreal has enough assets to move up. You know, both firsts, a young defenseman that that would be enough to move up four yep. spots. I think. Uh, Celebrini's clearly uh, the first overall pick this year. He's he's pulled himself away from the rest of the pack, so it's not going to be a surprise who who gets picked. It's 
the surprise would be whether or not the pick is kept by the team that has it. And I don't think it's, I think it's been a while since the number one's been traded away. It's been a long time. I don't remember. If, I'm, exactly. I know the Sedims were first overall. They were, they were two three, or three or three or four. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's tough. Uh... It's been a long time since someone's traded a first overall. Yeah. So is it plausible? Yeah. Is it going to happen? Probably, Probably not. not. But they could go up to second or third. They could. Uh, exactly. You know. I mean, it all depends on if they think the guy they want is going to be where they're drafting. And I have a sneaky suspicion, and I've been to a lot of drafts, that teams kind of know who's drafting who. And, uh, yeah. like, I know it's all kept a secret. Everyone's shocked. But I have a, I have a feeling that teams kind of know who's drafting who. And, uh, you know. Like, yeah. And know who knows? Maybe they could, uh, they could trade some assets for a second top 10 pick. Like, Arizona is a team that's trying to move their way up. They yeah. have a top 10 pick. So Montreal packages a defenseman and Winnipeg's first. And there you go. Or maybe it's a matter of a doc trade. Hey, you know, like something yeah. like Kirby Doc. Hey, we want that player. We'll give you Winnipeg's pick plus Jordan Harris or uh, Baron or Jack Eye. Yeah. Or, and we could segue into your, you were talking about that before, you know, someone like that in order to uh, get that player that we want. And like you said, that, that brings us to the next step um, is Jack Eye a cornerstone piece of this team because his name's in the rumor mill again. And there's talk of him being used as trade bait, just as we've been talking about. So do you see him as a core piece or do you see him as a, a trade asset? So I'm a bit biased here, as you know, because I'm a huge Jack Eye fan. Never heard uh, but... you say anything about him before. I actually have a shirt that says Jack Eye with a X on it. Anyway, um, cornerstone i wouldn't say but i don't think he's trade bait either i don't think they're they want to move away from him now here's the thing i think the only two defensemen young defensemen that are secured on this team right now is Gooley and struble and i for sure and i think struble just because of the way he's played since he's been called up I don't think they're going to be too quick to flip them, um, if you know what I mean. I think they want to see a full – they would rather see a full season of them. All right, let me reframe that. Gooley is the only young defenseman that will not be moved in a trade, right? True. I think if they're going to move defensemen, it's going to be either Harris or Barron or maybe even both because uh, Lane Hudson's going to be coming in, and I don't think he – I would not be shocked if Lane Hudson starts the season next season in Laval. I wouldn't be shocked. It nope. all depends on how well he plays this season uh, when he gets to Montreal. Uh, Logan Mayu is going to, I think, get a shot at Montreal come the end of the season to see how well he plays in the NHL. I don't Probably. think it's going to be – I think it's going to be near the end of the season just to see – give him a few games to see what he has. Uh, and then you have uh, Reinbacher, who – I wouldn't be surprised at the end of Colton's season he comes over and gets a look-see in the NHL to see where, where he's at. So it's all going to depend on whether or not Hudson, Reinbacher, and Mayu are all ready to play in the NHL next season. And I'm willing to bet True. 
not all of them will be. Um, so there's three. Then you got Dooley, so that's four. And you have Struble and Jackson. That's six. And you have Math. But I think it see Matheson's the key here. Matheson, yeah. if Hudson comes in and he's the firecracker we all hope he would be right off the bat, Matheson is gone by the trade deadline next season. Guaranteed. Right. And he would be able to fetch a pretty good return as well. Yeah, he'll fetch a pretty good return. And I think, as a matter of fact, I wrote an article for the Hockey Writer Substack. It's a paid article. So you have to have a paid subscription to read the whole thing. Uh, is, it I worth it? is it is it worth of it? Of course it's worth it. I put my blood, sweat, and tears so yeah. into it. It's the hockey writer. That's right. Um, where I said, if they're going to trade any defenseman, this deadline is going to be severed. Because you have to wait to see if Hudson's ready to step into Matheson's shoes or skates yep. before you move Matheson on, and and that's the way I, that's the way I look at it. Savard, anyone, anyone right now can move into his spot. Struble, Gooley, you yep. know what I mean. You have the players in spot that can can move up there, so he he's available. Although Ken Hughes said, like we said before, he has no plans to move Savard, so I don't know about that. Right now, no. But I would say that this summer or next trade deadline, yes. Because for now, the value that Savard brings to the team is more than what he would get in a trade because he's able to, to kind of mentor the young guys. And that's what they really need. They need someone to stabilize those young guys, show them how to prepare games day in, day out, um, the mentality it takes to be a pro, all those things. All, uh, you know, how to, you know, position yourself, do this, do that a little bit of coaching on the bench from a, like a player coach kind of idea. And then by next trade deadline, after they've absorbed everything they can from them, then you can trade them for whatever assets you can get for them. Plus he's a UFA. So he's going to be a rental. You're probably going to get yeah. a first and something for him because for some reason, rental big ass playoff defensemen are worth everything you have in your, in your list. Um. Yeah, so that could happen. Yeah, I can see that. I don't see an off-season move for Savard unless they really think Reinbacher or Mayu is going to step in, or Barron is going to step into that role. I don't or think someone's Barron's willing there. to pay a price for him. Yeah, uh, and even this trade deadline, if someone comes up to Ken Hughes at this trade deadline and says, "I got a first in this solid prospect for Savard," I don't see him saying no. Um, third might we'll get see. it done. A third. Yeah. Not the trade down there. Maybe in the offseason. <laughs> I mean, it's funny uh, because but, if you look if you, if you look at Edmondson, if he was healthy, he would have fetched a first-round pick at the trade deadline. However, in yes. the offseason, the best you could get was a seventh-round pick. Fifth. A fifth-round pick, yeah. So yeah. it's really so, – that's what I'm talking about when it yeah. comes to defensemen like that. So Because they want that guy. that the Teams that are looking to get uh, win that cup, they, they want that big, heavy defenseman to punish the other team because playoff hockey and regular season hockey, two, two very things. different beasts. Yeah. Which brings me back to Jack Guy, who has the mobility, but also has that that size, that grit, and that, that mean streak where he would be a really good playoff player. Jack Guy is your perfect bottom pairing defenseman. He's your perfect because he can also slot into the top four uh, if you need him to be. He, I mean, the way I look at Montreal now is they have one, two, 
three, four, five top four defensemen. You have Gooley, young guys, Gooley, Barron, top four should be top four. I should let me let me rephrase that. You have Barron, Gooley, Mayu, Hudson, and uh, who am I missing? Barry, Gooley, Mayu, Hudson, and Reinbacher. Reinbacher. That's five, right? Then you have Struble and Jacki, who could also play top four minutes, but I guess they're both left. But if you put them two on your bottom pairing, and you got to, no one's going to want to play against that bottom pairing. (laughs) No, that's a very physical bottom pair. And that's why I'm thinking, that's why teams would want him. So is is he a core player? I don't think he's core, but he's one of those, those complimentary pieces that you need to to win. I think Jack Eye right now is one of those hockey players that would have to take a really rich, rich, rich offer. Yeah. Like an overpay for them to to move Jack Eye. At okay. this moment in time. At this moment in time. Um because what is he what he brings to the team is fairly unique. He's a huge body. He's physical. He can he's mobile. He has underrated offensive abilities that we saw it in the in Laval yeah. and before he got hurt last season he was leading the uh, league in rookie defenseman scoring so it's not like he's gonna he's not putting up 100 points but like a, a 25 30 point third pairing guy is not out of the question either there, there's a reason they sent him to Laval to work on his defense because yes. if he's going to be their bottom pairing defenseman he's the guy that's going to play the heavy minutes when they need him to defend if he can't do that, then then he's not the, he's not for them. And uh, I think that's why because they see everything else in him. I mean, the guy, the guy quarterbacks the second power play when he's in Montreal. So that that te- over Gooley, Barron, and friggin' Harris. So that tells you something there. You know what I mean? So he does have that shot, that lightning shot, the break through the net shot. Yeah. And it's usually on net, not into someone's shin pads when there's a guy exactly. wide open on the other side. So, <laughs> I'm ready. Pass it. Oh, never mind. I think Slavkovsky from now on should just do what Ovechkin does: just stand at the dot, like you don't care what's going on in life, and uh, not even just sit stand there because he's probably not getting the pass. In. Maybe he'll get the which pass. In. <laughs> yeah, which is another reason to put Slavkovsky in the bumper spot because the puck's going to get there eventually. Eventually. Yeah, because Suzuki or Caulfield or someone's going to give it to him to try to get themselves open so he can pass it back to them. <laughs> or or the puck bounces off a defender and it's just laying there in the slot anyway, yeah. so he just goes and grabs yeah. it. And he makes a perfect screen because he's like six foot twelve and four hundred pounds. So Well but, yeah, uh, but that but it's but that go, uh, go ahead. I was just saying going back to Jack I no, I don't think he's cornerstone, but I don't think he's available. If that makes any sense, whatsoever, I I could see other defensemen going before him, like a Harris or a Baron or someone to that effect, going before Jack I goes. If that tells you where I think he is on the uh, on the depth chart, yeah, and you still got Kovacevic there, who's more than likely going to be uh, going by the wayside as well. I mean, he's a good filler for now. He's He's a solid NHL defenseman. You you might be able to trade him for something, and that's fine. But he, in the he long could be run, a guy traded into Stanley. 
He could be a guy that goes at this he deadline. You're not going to fetch a first or anything for him, but you could fetch maybe a second or a third for a guy like him. I'd say a third, probably not second. But He's a big, solid, reliable third-pairing defenseman who's right-handed, and he makes less than $800,000 a year. And he, you never hear his name, which is a good thing when you're a bottom-pairing defenseman. Except this year, because he's scoring all the goals. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that came out of nowhere. But uh, perfect time to trade him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got six goals. He doubled his goal total from last year. Six and two. He's going for the Cy Young. Him and uh, Armia. That's Armia seven and one. Yeah. But uh, hey, speaking of Armia, I don't care what anyone says. Armia's having a hell of a year, and we talked about this on last show. I'm going to bring it up again until he really starts sucking. But he's having a good year, considering, considering he's having a good year. And he's another guy who's going to be in his final season next season yeah. on that contract. So maybe if he continues and he, he continues his play until the end of the season, the way he's playing now, you know, he's not, he's, he's clearly a, a bottom six, but who knows, maybe by deadline, a team's willing to pay something to take him on because there's going to be teams that need that big, heavy, puck possession type player for their fourth line, like Montreal had him as when they went to the cup final. Or, and hear me out, he is one of the guys that they're trying to move at this deadline and using that retention for. I highly doubt it. It's possible. It's possible, but I don't think he gives the return that would make them want to keep a retention for two years for this year and next. Because with him, you got to think of the next two years. Same with Jake Allen. I think that's personally. I think it's for Jake Allen, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's more of a market for Jake Allen right now, there's and it solves the three goalie issue. And yeah, the solve, yeah, Jake Allen gets moved. He goes, all right, I'll retain it. I'll still have it for next year with Petrie, but I still have one left over for next year. Um, I think he'd rather more than one, but if he can move Allen and and retain some of his salary to move him, he's probably going to do it. And if you look forward to this, just this week, uh, we're going to be able to see just how much of it, how much the Canadians need some of these guys to really step up. They got the Capitals, they got the Stars, they got the Blues. These are three really good teams, especially the Stars. Well, Kid Hugh said at his presser, they asked him who's going to pick up for Monaghan? Like, who do you see filling in for Monaghan? He said the entire team. He said the entire team going to pick up for a player like Monaghan. And he's not wrong. Yeah. uh, Because this guy played in all situations. Um, He did. So that's him saying to the team that I believe in you. I believe you guys can step up and do it. Uh, You just have to go and do it now. And uh, like, the cool thing is, is there's no expectations. So, like, there's no one expects them to be making the playoffs. No one expects them to, well, no one reasonable, I should say. Um, so everyone just hoped they would be better than they were last year, and I think they were. And then we're, I mean, we're going back in a circle here, but I, I think they were, they are better than last year, just based on the individual play of the players. Yeah. Um, so that pretty much covers everything we were going to talk about to, for this episode. Um, do you have anything more? 
No, not really. Uh, like like I say, uh, the, the trade deadline's coming up. I still think Montreal has a move or two left in them. Um, yeah. I think one's going to be a bigger one. Jake Allen, I'm looking at you. Uh, but I think there might be a couple smaller ones in there. I don't think there's going to be anything too serious. Uh, now that Monaghan's gone, don't look at their deadline being too crazy. Um, but it's certainly not going to be as boring as it was last year. So, no. Did they no, even make well, any moves last year? Not really. It was fairly anticlimactic just because of all the injuries. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I I can't I can't remember off the top of my head how many moves he made, if any. I think it was a couple of minor ones with the uh, players in the minors. Well, they, on March third, which I think was the deadline. Yeah, uh, they got Nathan Schneer for a Frederick Allard. Oh, they got Frederick Allard for Nathan Schneer. Oh and, yeah, and they uh, used Allard as a call up because they needed and, a right hand defenseman to fill in. Yeah, and before that, on the 26th, they traded Dadanov for Denis Kurianov. Oh, that's right. The uh, reclamation project that just never panned out. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, so that is... Uh... But Gurianov's still in the NHL, so maybe they did reclaim him or fix him like the Leafs have promised to fix certain players that will go unnamed. Yeah. But anyway, so do you have anything to add? No, that's it. We talked about everything we're going to talk about. I just want to say anyone in Nova Scotia, have a nice snowy day. Everything is pretty much closed tomorrow. So uh, get shoveled out and wait for next week's big three-day storm that's supposed to come. So Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So yay. Yay. Can't wait. So, yeah, I'd like to echo your sentiments uh, to everyone here on the East Coast. Uh, I hope you all have your storm chips and your storm beers. You're all snuggled in. Everything's nice and safe and shoveled out. Um, uh, For those listening, I really, really want to thank you guys for tuning in again, sharing some of your thoughts with us online. Um, The comments you guys make, some of them pretty funny, especially when you're chirping Treg. Not bad. Treg loves it, though. Bench press 255, and then you can <laughs> Man, you can almost press me. <laughs> eh, you're not as straight as a bar. Just because that, I mean, <laughs> hey. <laughs> so, for everyone listening, thank you very, very much for listening. We really appreciate your 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 time with us so uh, again thank you and remember if you're talking about it so are we i'm jeff woods and i'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it he just was one of those people he, he stood out he was a magic guy he really was a magic guy all we all have force he had the same amount of force as we all have this was before led zeppelin robert was full on i mean he was led zeppelin without the band behind him he had the hair the jeans the whole thing you know and he was amazing the records and rock stars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts all the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. 
Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.